And welcome back to Butter With That, uh, a movies podcast where several friends from Philadelphia come together to talk about some of our favorite movies and answer some pretty important questions about Hollywood. Um, how's the everybody, most important. The most important. <laughs> sure. Um, how's everybody doing today? Great. Good. I'm feeling a little hoarse. I don't know what's going on. I feel fine, but like my voice is nasty. Do you have laryngitis? No, please don't even say that. <laughs> I'm right there with you, Sam. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You, you just saw me today and you were like, what if it's laryngitis? <laughs> like literally the first thing you said to me. I was like, come on, Christine. <laughs> That's how we support each other. <laughs> just yellow diseases. I know we don't have a ton of time to talk about it, but a few of us saw Halloween. Yes. Um, so good. Weeks. So um, good. It was so good. Tori, what are your kind of your quick thoughts on Halloween? Um, I thought it was really great. Um, there was some serious fucking lady power. Yeah, women I, always. I was really digging. Um, the score is amazing because you know John Carpenter is amazing, and we have been listening to it quite frequently since the movie. Um, I made Sam listen to it in the car <laughs> on the way over here. It's good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's really really solid. Um, I was really happy with it. What about you guys? Yeah, same. I mean, it was definitely the movie I wanted to see in 2018. Mm. If I was going to watch like any good new horror film, it was going to be that. Yeah. I it was it was like tense, suspenseful. Yeah. Uh, Michael Myers was like pretty I didn't really know where the movie was going to go. Mm-hmm. Even like knowing like I looked up spoilers before seeing it, I wasn't sure if I was going to see it. And I was still like taken aback by like how kind of like gory some of the kills are, but mm-hmm. nothing's like really gratuitous except for like a few moments like toward the very end of the movie yeah some pretty creative kills my uh, hands were clenched for like most of that movie mm-hmm. the uh i don't want to like you know spoil anything but the thing with the motion lights yes oh, so good yeah um yeah did you guys have you guys seen anything recently no i've not seen halloween definitely want to see it yeah i will say that my big recent movie watching experience i finally saw Mission Impossible 6. Yes! Wait, <laughs> yes! Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Nice. You see, I mean, all the action sequences were excellent. True to the MI form. You see, there's What is the these... MI form? Uh, guys, I haven't just... seen any of them. I haven't so seen any of them either. I mean, I... I've seen I only seen, one. Yeah, and it's number MI six. <laughs> like, I saw the one, the first one, um, with my fave Doug Ray Scott as the villain. Uh, and then that was about it. But what I loved, actually, no, I watched the fifth one as well. But you also, in this movie, start to see Tom Cruise's character aging so slightly, but ever so slightly. <laughs> and the whole thing is he's, he does his own stunts. He is supposed to be this sort of ageless, mm-hmm. timeless, very one-dimensional one dimensional hero for good or whatever. Ethan Hunt. And Ethan he, Hunt, thank he you. He broke I should, his ankle. He broke his ankle in filming, and they had to stop. He also flew a helicopter for the movie. Yeah, he did. And like skydove, I believe, or something. He's That's a crazy motherfucker. He's batshit crazy. All of the yeah. stunts yeah. were still incredible, but there were moments, and I think the movie was recognizing this, where it's like, ooh, all right, we're seeing sort of like cracks in his like steely, steely veneer. Or yeah. Anyhow. I agree. Yeah. I, I mm. liked the movie mostly because I think <laughs> uh, Henry Cavill is really attractive. Oh my and God, that, that mustache! That mustache! Woo! And that like... It's five o'clock shadow. And his name like, is who like is this guy? August Walker. Like, yeah. Fuck Although yeah. he is you know? like kind of the worst. Yeah. I mean, you have to separate like the man from the the image. Um, All right. You know, and, and there's one scene in Mission Impossible 6, the bathroom scene, where he like, like reloads oh, his up. biceps. Awesome. And I was like, I've died here in this seat. Thank you, everybody. And good night. 
Wow. Yeah, he doesn't act in the movie. He definitely just stands there and looks like intense and, and then menacing. just like crunches things. Which is kind of what I want. Yeah. <laughs> just in general? In a in a yeah. partner? Like what? A little bit of both. Okay. Yeah, true. Crunchy. Yeah. Dave, sure. have you seen anything recently? Um not really other than uh preparing for uh for what we've been doing. So I've rewatched um uh, I've rewatched the film that we're talking about. Um or no, excuse me, I'm thinking of uh, next week. Um, so no, actually, I have not really, really seen it. <laughs> Spoilers, okay, Dave. No, I did see Spoilers. Slice, though. Um, that was that movie that was on Netflix uh, starring Chance the Rapper and a, a whole a whole bunch of other people. And? Uh, it's really good. Okay. It's, it's like a really good, um, just self-aware uh, sort of genre. Uh, g- what's what sort of looking for genre satire just sort of like taking on the 80s horror genre um through like this like the modern lens that has been revisiting uh through things like house of the devil or uh, stranger things Ooh, I so love it's got house very of the much devil. that kind of like yeah that reminiscent uh revisited 80s feel mm-hmm. but with like a lot of comedy it's just sort of a really funny movie that draws on a lot of tropes like the cops are constantly swearing and stuff like that um this is called slice slice mm. yeah because it, it's about a uh in essence, about a haunted pizza shop in a way. Ooh. But it's also kind of about hey gentrification now. in a way because the movie it considers it to be like a town that was besieged with ghosts and like ghouls and banshees and things like that. But they were reallocated to a specific area within the town called Ghost Town, which is like kind of shitty and like it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a whole thing. Whoa. It's really weird. Yeah. But it's, it's a pretty cool movie. That's deep. Wow. Would recommend. Hmm. Interesting. Good to know. Yeah. Is that still, is that like a Netflix original or is it? Um, I think it, mm, I think it might be. It's on Netflix for sure though, right now. So uh, I would recommend that one. It was good. Got some uh, eclectic recommendations <laughs> for know, this right? episode. It's so weird. Um, we're gonna move on now to our opening segment, um, unfocused group. I have a pile of random questions here that I'm going to throw at uh, Christine. Sam and Tori, to answer some of Hollywood's most important questions, such as your favorite movie dog. What's your favorite movie dog? Oh, man, this is too hard. Wait, I have an immediate answer. I, I'm, I know I'm, I'm going to regret it as soon as I say it, but Balto? Um, <laughs> oh. oh, my God. So that serum. Had to get right, it right. Oh, my God. It's so like, <laughs> you know, he had to do it. Um, so Brave Dog. First of all, isn't he voiced by Kevin Bacon in the movie? Am I making that? Oh, that sounds the softer side of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> um, anyway, but the fact that it's based on a true story is mm-hmm. incredible. And I, the first time I went to Central Park, I was like, I have to find the Balto statue. Oh yeah, I and I did. About and you know what? The old lady in the um, in the movie who's like, who's the grown up girl who like the whole story is about is <laughs> Professor Sprout from Harry Potter. <laughs> Oh, yeah. wow. Pomona, if you, you're wondering her first name. I know you weren't, but just in case. <laughs> Balto. Um, I got my gut reaction was Shadow. Uh, from, oh, yeah. Yeah. Homeward, uh, Bound? Homeward Bound. That Man. was going to be my answer, too. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, just right off the bat, you know? <laughs> He's the best fucking dog. Our friend Alana does a really great impression of Shadow. <laughs> she, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, she does. It's amazing. I'm not going to try to do it, no, but it's, it's really good. good. Also, we'll get like, Alana on the podcast and yeah. just make her do impressions. Like Scooby-Doo <laughs> also has to be up there, I'm sure. The unnamed dog in Road Warrior. 
Oh, true. It's yeah. a really handsome dog with a uh, nice red bandana. Mm. Oh, I love bandanas. Yeah. But the accessories. I loved Beethoven. Oh, true. Because he just like so just wonderfully like large and just helping. I don't know. He kind of wreaked havoc, didn't he? Did <laughs> <laughs> you guys way. see Beethoven? Be- yeah, yeah, yeah. Your yeah. face looks kind of pained right now. You're like, oh, <laughs> well, wait. <laughs> I hate to say it, but that dog was a handful. He was, yeah, he truly was. He, who played the dad? I feel like it was somebody like, um, uh, like, not Jeff, like Jeff Daniels. I was going to say something. I've seen Jeff Daniels, but I don't think it's maybe right. he was but in like be. Beethoven two and three because there were definitely more <laughs> Beethovens. But he was a great. Was he was there the a same Beethoven Bernard. the fifth? Yeah. Oh, because of the. Film. Let's yeah. hope they got to the fifth. <laughs> I get this. Wait till they get the Beethoven's ninth. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure that exists. But like, get it confused with Turner and Hooch a lot. Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen either. Of them. Entirely different dogs. Entirely different story. But for some reason, in my brain. Those yeah, those drippy jowls. Like he, I feel like the he drippy. always was yeah. slobbering That's all over was. Was just Jeff a less Daniel's crazy house. Cujo, pretty much. Ooh. Oh, but it, but a sweet. Cujo. Hey, Cujo didn't want to hurt those people. <laughs> that movie. And yet, oh, that movie struck a That chord. movie's that hard. Movie stuck with me yeah. Hard. Never seen How it. How about you, Connor? Um, whatever the beagle from uh, Cats vs. Dogs. Because <laughs> I had a beagle growing up, and then I was remember Jeff Goldblum is in that movie. I feel like I've seen that movie too Wait, many times. What is Cats vs. Dogs? Dude, it's like, uh, was it early ridiculous. 2000s? It's going to be a very divided room, I think, right now. <laughs> I'm um, thinking of. Not good. No. Like, no. Uh, this is not the no, truth about no, cats and dogs. This is something. Good. This is not Janine Garofalo. <laughs> no, this no. is not Janine Garofalo. Okay. <laughs> this is Jeff Goldblum is somehow involved. He's, yeah, the main it's dad. It's legit a war between cats and dogs. They're like spies. They're like spies. Oh, they <laughs> their own species. And <laughs> yeah. Wait, I think I can imagine the poster yeah. in my mind. Because it's an evil, Do they have like spy gear on yep. their face, yeah. like on their heads and things? Like, yeah. Walkie talkies and weird like stuff. Like Splinter Cell, kind of. <laughs> well, I had a beagle growing up, and I loved having seen a beagle in a movie. So, um, did you ever see my dog Skip? Nope. Oh well, there's a beagle in that too. That one has a sad ending, <laughs> but it, but it's a good film. Frankie Muniz probably at his oh, best. God, Frankie, where are <laughs> oh, you? Frankie. Oh, he's hosting a dance show, like a Disney kids dance show. Now. Let's hope he's sure like forty is. years old, yeah. and he still looks like relatively the same. Are you ready for the next question? He's gonna yes. look weird, right? Which Frankie Muniz show slash movie is your favorite? Big no. Fat Liar. Sorry. <laughs> that could be that. Are you sure? Yeah. Because it's not one in the middle. Uh, it's Big Fat Liar. What other options are there? My dog Skip. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he played in this. Maybe it was the Disney Channel original movie where he Agent got into Cody Banks. Bo- no, box car, not box cars. Um. Yes, I know what you're talking about. I have no idea what it's he called. He made his own racing yeah, car. Yeah, Oh, shit. What is that movie? It's not good, though. Soapbox mm. Racing? Yes. Yes. Because that's exactly what it was. But I don't know what the title was. Frankie on his soapbox. Or Frankie. <laughs> Instead of like Frankie on his soapbox, that was the name of the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's the question? That, so kind of related to last oh, month's man. theme, best horror death. I don't know. We can do another one since okay. just at Halloween. <laughs> no, no, hold on. This is this is a fun one for me. So there's this movie called Death Spa, which um, is exactly what it sounds like. Um, and basically, the 
it's like a very high tech spa that somehow gets possessed by a ghost and it just starts killing people. So there's like some like steam death scenes. There's some like um, like tanning bed ones. It just has like all of the best deaths. Someone gets like torn up by like the juicer for the shakes that they're making at the bar. Yeah, it's good. That's a great concept. When you think about spas are yeah. kind of scary. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. Yeah, There's a lot of bacteria. Ooh. Yeah. Germs, the scariest part. Maybe not the best movie death, but like two that like really stand out for me. Um, one is in, I can't remember if it's in Final Destination or the second one, um, but there's like this massive car pileup on a highway and there's like That's this. That's the second one. This is the second one. And there's a truck that has like just logs. Like, oh like shit, I think about ones. that mm. all the time when mm-hmm. I'm on the yeah. highway. Yeah, anytime I'm behind a car that has like mm-hmm. un- like 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 loose items. I'm oh yeah, absolutely I'm like, not. This I'm getting out of here. Smash my face. Uh-huh. And then yeah. the other one is in Scream. Uh, Rose McGowan's character, where she dies because she's like trying to go out the dog door in yeah. the garage door. Yeah, yeah. that's so oh, good. God. Mm. I would say uh, return to um, return to our last uh, bonus episode from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The uh, the death of Kirk, the original uh, kill in the film. Um, because as we discussed, just kind of like stumbles into the room and it's so sudden and uh, mm. oh, yeah. so not gratuitous and like kind of understated and, and, and in a way weirdly realistic. Um, that one for me is always stuck. So I'd, I'd go with that one. Christine, do you have one? I think one that freaked me out was in The Ring. The first, because it's one of the first kills in The Ring when she, uh, I think it's like Amber Tamblin or somebody is like in a, clo- like watches a video Ooh, yeah, and then yeah. she just like curls up in a closet and then just like die. I don't know. Very simple <laughs> execution, but very terrifying. And she like dies mm. with a facial expression of a scream. It's or all something. about the face. Yeah. When they stumble upon her, you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. Because you don't even face. see her die on screen. <laughs> like she's just sort of like, it cuts to black and then it's the grieving mother talking to, I forget who's the lead actress in the film. Is it Naomi, Naomi Watts? Watts? Yeah. I think yeah. So, yeah. Talking to her about like finding the body and then it just does a quick cut in this like very normal and natural conversation to her opening the door to this like horrifying contorted face. Yeah. You know what though? That's another movie that has been kind of ruined for me by scary movie. Um, uh, I could see that. Yeah. Cause there's like that one scene where one of the characters like the, the what's her name? Samara. Is that it? Who comes out of the, the TV? Uh, maybe. What? Well, she's coming out of the TV and the girl's like, oh, hell no. And she like boxes her. <laughs> so like, I, all, that's all I think oh, about. Oh, true. I think about that a lot also. I also just came to mind and I don't want to ruin the movie for anyone, but that uh, one very, very distinct kill at the beginning of Hereditary. Uh, Ooh, haven't seen it yet. I okay. just saw it over the weekend. Dave has seen it. Oh, so you know. It's that one image that will just never leave my brain. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to remember what it is. Obviously, it didn't stick for me. Uh, it was a real hit. It kind of starts, gets the ball rolling <laughs> on the whole thing. Um, <laughs> Just trying to drop hints without saying anything. Yeah, no, I'm drawing a blank. Made an impact. <laughs> I mean, I get, I get what you guys are hinting at, but I, I like can't picture it at all. Okay. I don't know how I felt about that movie, honestly. I loved it. Oh, as soon so as good. I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'm very eager to watch yeah, it. God, what check the in hell it. is that death? I'm gonna text oh, you. Oh shit! Never mind. There I remember go. it. I got it. I got it up there. Oh fuck yeah! How could I forget that? I know. That's, That's like the pivotal death. <laughs> shit, man. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, we gotta move on I'm now. Sorry. Right, move on to one more. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> uh, the worst fight scene in a movie. The worst. The worst. Define worst. This is what the card says. Oh damn, that's my handwriting. I don't know what I meant by <laughs> do that. Do you want to do another one? <laughs> it's another one. I could. I don't know. Best movie snack. <laughs> well, like going to the movie. The first theater. thing I imagined was the best snack that appears in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Reese's from Reese's Pieces from ET. Oh man, yeah. Ooh, every time, re- every time I eat Reese's, that's that? what I think of. Christine, the oh, yes. sorry, go ahead, Dave. No, I'm just thinking. Go ahead. Um, the first thing that came to mind when you you explained that, I don't, I don't know why my brain always goes here, but I think it's just because it really made an impact on me as an, like a, as a growing adult, um, which is Twilight and how they had um, like a lot of product placement scenes. And well, we're talking was, about movie food again, okay. right? <laughs> <laughs> And they have one for Burger King, and it just like spent so long looking at the Burger King logo, and I was like, actually, that kind of worked. I kind of want. I don't even know if we can do movie food. I feel like it needs to be cartoon food, which might be a good thing for this like, you know, coming theme. Mm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I know my answer. Tree Star from Land Before Time. No. A leaf? <laughs> but it looks so good! <laughs> Bitch, I want a Krabby Patty so much. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Come on. A or pretty like, patty specifically? I kind of want to try a Scooby snack. Yeah, who doesn't? Okay. Great. <laughs> That's so true. Animated movies and shows make food look so, so good. good. Yeah, it's the best. Mm. Any of the food in King of the Hill. That food always looked like very well rendered and like actually very like... This is kind of in that nice and savory meal with like green beans. Mm. Oh yeah, like a burger, like one of Bob's burgers. Ooh, that'd be good too. Mm. Yeah, that's like a great cookbook. Oh man, there's the baby you can shove my car burger. I think about it. Oh, all that the time. one, that would be great. It's got pickles for wheels on the side. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I want to eat that burger. Christine, do you have a movie snack? I mean, I'll t- I'll say my favorite movie snack, <laughs> and that's yeah, we kind of went off snow on caps. a thing. Oh, oh dude, hell yeah, I used to get snow so caps good. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I go fruity, not chocolatey. It depends, but fruity Skittles. Yeah. I also used to really like Bunch of Crunch a lot. Yeah, what happened to that? Yeah, I don't know. All right, but now I'm just try to stuff whatever food I can in my purse. So, <laughs> I mean, when we brought Wendy's to Avengers, that was peak. Um, yeah, we snuck Frosties into our purses. It was amazing. It was amazing. We're like, I feel like I should have got like a Girl Scout badge <laughs> for that or something. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Alyssa and I snuck Chipotle into um, Hateful Eight. Hell yeah. And mm. the new Jungle Book. Was Hateful Eight any good? I liked it. All right. It was like a play. And Tarantino is actually adapting a stage version and directing the stage version for Broadway. Whoa. Good for him, I guess. I think it's going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah. But interesting. Dave, how do you feel about that? I feel like you'd... You, you know how I feel about Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> you guys ready to move on to the movie? Yeah, let's yeah. do let's it. Do it. So uh, last month, October, our theme was our most important horror movies. And for November, um, we are shifting focus from live action into animation. And the question that we are trying to answer this month is uh, the animated movie that we keep returning to. And this week, I chose Coco, uh, the newest Pixar movie, or second newest, I guess, before Incredibles 2. Um, mm. come out. I still haven't seen Incredibles 2, but same. Another discussion. I've never seen the first Incredibles. <laughs> well, there it is. That's um, gonna happen. There it is. So how the... all of our movie discussions work is one person brings the movie, another person watches the movie. That was Tori this week. Nope. 
Nope. That nope. was Christine. It's been a long day. You pointed at me and I was like, this is going to be wrong. Because you're doing, yeah, no, it's been a long day. like, I'm about to make some shit up real hard. Uh, so somebody brings it, somebody watches it. Uh, who watched the trailer for? Twas I. Twas Tori. That was the, the thing trailer. I did. Um, and then somebody reviews the movies. That leaves. That's me. That's Sam. So um, we usually start with the person who saw the trailer. Tori, have you seen Coco before? No, I haven't. Um, and it's because it's part of a long line of Pixar movies that I won't watch because I know they're going to make me cry. Um, so I just have to avoid them completely. Um, so I want to see Coco, <laughs> and I promise I'll get around to it, but... <laughs> I just, you know, the world is what it is. I can't, you know, <laughs> there are only so many tears I have inside of me. Um, but yes, I do. I would like to see it a lot. And um, I know I've like seen the trailer before, but I don't really know like how much I paid attention to it. So like watching it today, I think I watched a, like the first like two or three because there were a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, right off the bat, it's fucking gorgeous um the colors are beautiful the attention to detail like one thing i noticed was just simply the wrinkles on the grandmother's face are so good yeah um and so like yeah like all of the colors looked amazing i also like really liked the theme song for the or the song for the particular trailer i watched was bittersweet symphony which i used to love the verve and i used to listen to that song a lot (laughs) so i was just like already like kind of emotional um I feel like, like, from what I know from people, like, Coco is a tearjerker. That is what I've gathered from people I have talked to. Um, But I feel like it didn't necessarily come off that way in the trailers I was watching. It just seemed very, like, fun and playful, uh, which I think is kind of interesting. Because in my head, I just was like, oh, I'm going to die and just (laughs) curl up and cry immediately. Um, It it definitely doesn't hit you quite, like, up. You know, like, the first ten minutes of up, you're like, what is this? I think up is overrated. Get out of this room. (laughs) If you don't cry all the tears at that last part in the movie when he's looking through the book, like, I have nothing for you. I can't, yeah, I'm going to start crying right now just thinking about it. Anyway... What do you think the the plot of the movie is based off of the trailer? Like, what did you? Um, he gather? like uh, so basically, it seems like his like music is very important in the family, um, and the one thing was like his family doesn't want him playing music, and that's mm-hmm. like all he wants to do. But his grandfather was some like really well known musician or a very good musician, and just somehow ends up like kind of in the underworld or whatever with like his family and other um people there like during like the day of the dead celebration um yeah i mean besides that i don't really know like too too much but that was what i gathered initially from it yeah sounds about right yeah yeah absolutely uh reviews so i have seen this movie before and i just want to say that i absolutely love it and when i was reading the reviews today first of all i i found no negative reviews except really? for one <laughs> except, <laughs> except for one which i was like did you even watch this film <laughs> um <laughs> and it's so like to the point let me where'd it go um this was on rotten tomatoes and it got a half star and it says this fucking movie is garbage do not recommend it to anyone whoa yeah i Intense. was like someone's having a day this isn't about coco yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, absolutely there's something not. else about the wider world about what's happening with them <laughs> 
But I just want to say that, like, because I've seen this movie before, I was like, oh, this is so great. I love reading these reviews. And so it turned me into, like, this YouTube wormhole where I was, like, watching videos from it and, like, listening to songs and crying. And Tori called me <laughs> as I was crying. And Remember then, me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was just like, Sam, you want snacks? And you're, like, still crying. And so um, we hung up and then I started watching it again. And then my dad called me. And I was like, God, <laughs> let me just cry. And like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know how anybody else feels, but like once I, I cry, I'm like, no, nah, I kind of want to keep crying. So like, but, but like, I want to do a good cry. So I want to feel like good about it. Oh yeah. So I have like certain videos that I watch that like help me get there. So one that I watch is, um, when president Obama awarded, um, Joe Biden, the presidential Aww. medal of freedom when he like cries. And then the other video, um, Dave, you might be familiar with this. Um, Brian Boyle is a hockey player on the New Jersey Devils mm -hmm. um, who was diagnosed with cancer mm -hmm. and he went through radiation treatment and then his first I don't know if it was his first game back. I don't think it was his first game back last year, but it was his first goal both yeah. as a New Jersey Devil and since he came back from treatment. Mm -hmm. And he's crying, and I'm like, uh, so you, know, you just want the best for Brian Boyle. And and a couple yeah. days ago, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, and right a couple on. days ago, um, we found out that his cancer is in remission. So you know, I watched oh, those yay. videos, Aww. right? So thank you, Coco, and thank you, Connor, for this. But but anyway, you're <laughs> welcome. You had a good cry today. I had a good cry. Good for you. Um, so to get back to the point, which who knows what that was, um, review. So um, all of this came from Rotten Tomatoes because I thought that we had like a really good, um collection here so the critics rated it at 97 percent and fans audience score is 94 percent. so i mean oh, if wow. you have a movie that's rated that highly obviously it's pretty good um <clears throat> some of the ratings here i will say something is that yes all of the reviews that i read except for that one were super positive but some were like vaguely racist in the the terminologies ah. that they yeah, use so racist. um like some one very white man used the term fiesta in it and he, first of all he used it incorrectly and second i was just like are you just putting any like vaguely ethnic words in this review because like that's kind of how it felt like so this movie's a real fiesta that's basically what he said and i was like you're first of all you're not like precisely using that word correctly and also you're just putting words that you know that are, are like spanish in here it's um, a larry the cable guy joke pretty much basically yeah <laughs> and so there was a lot of that so all of the reviews that i've like i'm i have here have none of that in that because i was offended by reading some of those um, so this guy, his name is Matthew Lacona. He's a, from the San Diego Reader. He says, of every Pixar film that deals with family, memory, and loss, ask, is there sufficient reason for tears that will inevitably run down my face by the end? And yes, thanks in no smart, small part to the ingenious use of De La Cruz's hit song, Remember Me. So I don't know if that was in the trailer, Tori, but that song is just absolutely incredible. Um... Yeah, I was curious why the trailer had Bittersweet Symphony, yeah. which doesn't appear once in the movie. Yeah. As, <laughs> I mean, that happens. True, like, true. Yeah. 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 Sorry, continue, Sam. Yeah, and so um, this one, 
the, these next two, I think, are like really they hit it on those. Um, after a swarm of money grabbing sequels, it's decidedly wonderful to see Pixar returning to their core roots of delivering refreshing and original pieces of cinema. And like, that's really how I felt about this mm-hmm. movie. And then this person in a country with an ever increasing Hispanic and Mexican population, a film like Coco should have come around a long time ago. And um, to sort of uh, back um oh god where did it go oh here we go so to kind of build off of that a film that will become the standard bearer of an of a positive example of what the latino experience can look like on the big screen for years to come so that's interesting because i that was the questions i wanted to ask from people who saw it um it's like how if it felt like it was like honoring and like doing a good job or if it felt more like, you know, the guys who were, you know, saying fiesta, you know, yeah. like because I feel like it could go either way. And I'm assuming because it got such positive reviews, like it was like doing a better job of it. But um, yeah, I also thought of this a lot because I was reading recently, like because it's, you know, Halloween time right now. Moana, like that's mm-hmm. come up a lot because like a lot of girls want to dress up like her. As Moana, yeah. And so that's been coming up is like an issue with like culture and that sort of thing. And I think that's also something that comes up a lot of the time with like the candy skulls and that sort of thing. So sure. I've just been thinking about that a yeah, lot that, recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that came up and it was interesting specifically with Pixar movies that are trying to be more inclusive from the sounds mm-hmm. of it. But like potentially reactions to that um that aren't super great yeah yeah i mean i i think that this is a a great kind of topic Mm -hmm. to get into like how to dress up as a character of color if you're white there Mm -hmm. are ways to do it and there are ways to not and i think that this is like particularly relevant not just because of halloween but because megan kelly lost her show because of her blackface comments which like um was she on nbc NBC. um nbc she's been saying racist things for years like years so the fact that she would say another one is not out of character but you know they just kind of want to make money out of a conservative female who broke from the pack and 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 hates trump like fuck that i don't give a Mm. shit she's a terrible ass person sorry well i don't care fuck you megan kelly uh for those who aren't aware i think on her show she's like yeah when i was a kid we would just like dress up in blackface and that's just what we did as a kid nobody really cared we just dress up as whoever we wanted it's like yeah people cared you just didn't listen or care. You just didn't know any people of color. <laughs> well, I, yeah. All right. Now, though, I feel like we've derailed a lot with the reviews. Um, but to, I think, Tori, I think you asked, like, a lot of great questions that I want to let Christina and mm. Connor really get into since they watched Yeah, the definitely. So, Christine, you saw this movie before, right? Yes, I had seen it um, relatively recently, and then I rewatched it um, to for for this episode. And... Both times was remind or this time was reminded of how much I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, in thinking about certainly this idea of uh, Pixar really sort of recognizing the cultural traditions um, of like you know uh, Mexican community. I mean, like as someone who is uh, did not grow up really knowing a lot about um, traditions of Day of the Dead. Certainly, I thought that the movie did a wonderful job of um, the the, even the English language version of the movie. And also the fact that the versions on Netflix or even in theaters came out with an English Mm -hmm. language version and a Spanish Mm -hmm. version was really um, I didn't know that such Mm -hmm. a wonderful approach um, to acknowledging that People, you know, as Spanish speakers, 
want to see this movie in Spanish and, and hear the songs in like a lot. They use some traditional um, songs um, and actually keep them sung in, Sp in Spanish, even in the English language version. So I thought that was really effective. And a lot of the time uh, in the English one that, as I recall, without subtitles, which is yeah. a really cool oh, movie. Yeah. Interesting. yeah, no subtitles in the whole movie. But yeah, uh, and and I thought it did a wonderful like job of uh, it, again someone not totally familiar with uh, like all the different uh, Mexican traditions and things like that, and um, incorporating um, terminology and words in the movie and seamlessly integrating it into the movie um, as a way to um, recognize what an integral part these different um, like words and aspects are into um, this tradition, but also finding moments to be like. Uh, you know, this is what an alebrija is, and um, like an ofrenda. Uh, yeah, the ofrenda, ofrenda and, yeah. and different um, wonderful words, and learning about you know, creating a little homage to family um, family members who have died on the mm -hmm. ofrenda and the alebrijes, these beautiful, vibrant, uh, colorful um, creatures from the, the. They were gorgeous. Those, oh my god, oh. the animation of the alebrijes were so beautiful, like all the colors, and that's also something that was so wonderful about um, Coco's the the animation. And when you mentioned mm -hmm. Coco's face, that animation, that attention to detail, every crevice of her face and mm -hmm. her skin, it was like you see this this wonderful world built uh, in the land of the dead. But then you also in, once he's back in the land of the living, you see, you also see Coco in her face, just this representation of like age mm -hmm. and memory and just like basically sculpted out of her body. I mean, it was just absolutely yeah. beautiful. I feel like but, Pixar has um, been doing that for a while, like just blowing my mind with stuff like that. Like I remember seeing Finding Nemo and how the water looked at the surface. Like mm -hmm. that always sticks with me so much, which it's really cool that that's still a thing that like is like really like getting me as soon as I like notice certain aspects of the movie. Yeah, I think the design on the movie on the whole was just absolutely incredible. Um, whether they were like hiding skulls, sort of like in the architecture, and like really thinking about what world, what would a world like designed by skeletons look like? Whether it's like a god who designs or the skeletons themselves, like mm -hmm. everything was just so thoroughly thought out. And it's like this beautiful like streetcars that are like yeah. th floating through the sky and. Um, and it and it felt really like a, a wonderful way to honor that community with like the use of color and like also just just the subtle nods to things in that culture, um, which I haven't seen it in a movie before. I mean, I know a lot of people before they actually saw Coco were like, oh, this is ripping off Book of the Dead, which mm -hmm. like I, I didn't think mm -hmm. at all. But um, I, I thought it was incredible. Connor, should we give like an overview of the movie? Definitely. So Coco follows the um, story of this boy, Miguel. And in the trailer, yeah, his family does not want him to play music because his great great grandfather like walked out on the family to become this like in a goal to become a legendary musician. But they never say his name like he doesn't know. Nobody ever talks about who the uh, great great grandfather is. And so his great great grandmother, you know, left with just Co baby Coco, who is his, you know, great grandmother, you know, the wrinkly lady we've been talking about, um, says, well, I'm a single mother now. Um I don't need music. I'm going to be a shoemaker. And so she learned how to make shoes and then she starts And she this kills whole, it. She yeah, kills it. A super successful family business of making shoes. And then the family, I forget what their last name is, but you know, it's like, oh, well, we are shoemakers uh, through and through. Rivera, yeah, yeah, we are shoemakers through and through. So she sets up this whole like dynasty of shoemakers and like really creates a super profitable business um, for herself and her family. 
Uh, but then Miguel, who is, um, he's probably what, 12? Something along those that? lines. Yeah. He loves music, and he looks up to this uh, singer named um, Ernesto de la Cruz, who is from the same town, I think St. Cecilia is the name of the town. Um, so this legendary um, Mexican musician performer was from the same town, and so he looks up to him, idolizes him. Um, and wants to be him, even though none of his family wants him to play music. And he has this shrine to De La Cruz in, like, a crawl space attic. Um, and he has, like, the best of De La Cruz, like, VHS VHS tape that he, like, puts in. He knows the whole thing, you know, by heart. And he, like, has his, you know, homemade guitar. Oh, mm-hmm. it, one of the best scenes is him in this sort of makeshift kind of treehouse little fort area that's clearly his refuge from, like, everything out, like, all of his... Uh, De La Cruz memorabilia mm-hmm. and his videos and he's watching this video and he pulls out this guitar he's made as you're mentioning and then he starts playing along with the video that he's clearly seen millions of times and the attention to detail also to his hands and yes. every like depictions of him playing the guitar and anyone playing guitar is so wonderfully realistic and you can see the bends of every single string and like the chord shapes as in his him strumming to this like beautiful guitar music and it's just such a beautiful scene as you clearly see him having practiced so much and like loving all these songs sorry that was no, an I aside well because you but play like it. hands and yeah. arms in the movie are are really i feel like like the gesture every gesture of a hug of people playing music of people running is really beautifully rendered in the animation too well and we were just talking the other day like prep for this movie of like how the his hands are in the right positions for the notes right i, I mean i as far as, as like f- it, it certainly looks extremely realistic and and uh, like seems to really depict the way one would go about playing like a nylon string guitar Dave, you're gonna say something? Well, uh, no, I was just gonna say, yeah. As far as I could tell, I mean, like it seems very, uh, very accurate, very like studied, especially from the animators, considering uh, their general attention to detail to the, not only the surroundings and the characteristics of uh, the rendering of the individual uh, characters themselves, but also just in attention to uh, things as nuanced as what their hands are doing and like. Uh, yeah, especially clear in the guitar work. Like you can actually tell that that's the pluck of every note. Pretty much just... accurate to the mm. chords that you're hearing, and yeah, it's very, uh, very true to life in that sense. It's very well rendered. Yeah, that was because I didn't even realize that when I watched it the first time. I was like watching it the second time the other day. I was like, oh wow, that's like just made me appreciate this movie even more. Um, and so he's like in the shrine, and then he goes. He has to do like chores for his family and whatnot. Uh, he's at this the ofrenda, which uh, I guess for the day of the dead. Day of the Dead. Um, they have like a shrine, like an altar with like pictures of family members. And if a family member in a photograph is on the ofrenda, then they can cross over from the spirit world on that day to receive like gifts and presents from the family that they're like leaving for their loved ones. Uh, there's this dog, Dante, who I realized is named after De La Cruz's horse in one of the movies. Mm-hmm. So he names it after like an animal that De La Cruz has. Ah. I didn't even notice that until this time. Nice. Um, and so this dog is like just this like hairless i can't remember the name of the dog but just like you're kind of like this hairless mexican dog um and they're kind of like running around knocks into the ofrenda because he's dante. like trying to eat the food his name is dante the dog yes did you say that i'm sorry I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, the I breed the up, breed i couldn't remember i think it's like I, i'm just looking up the breed now i think it's like a, a cholo i'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure how to pronounce it but there's like 
<laughs> so my roommate got the the DVD for this and we watched it and they have like a whole bonus feature about the dog and oh. it's like folklore in Mexican history and and that's what I was just researching now so that's why I was like Dante <laughs> but you had already established yes. um, yeah, anyway please continue um, so he's like so Dante's trying to eat the food on the ofrenda um, Miguel's trying to pull him off and then like pictures fall down from the ofrenda and one of them smashes that has his great great grandmother with Coco and then the great great grandfather's um, head was like torn out of the photo so that way he will not be remembered he will not be on the ofrenda because she was so mad at him for leaving the family Um, photo breaks like oh my god photo falls out he takes it out and turns out the photo was folded Uh, he unfolds it and then he sees that he's holding uh, a guitar that is identical to De La Cruz's guitar that's like the statue like his famous like white like the skull top I knew guitar. it. <laughs> so he's like, oh my God, my, you know, my, like, um, I'm related to De La Cruz. And so he runs around and he's like very confident now. It's like, mm-hmm. I can be a musician because his family's like, well, you have to follow what your family's doing. Your family will guide you and we're shoemakers through and through. And then he's like, suck it, mom and dad. De La Cruz is my great great grandfather. I'm going to be a musician. <laughs> is that an actual it's quote not quite, from the movie? It's not quite that. No. <laughs> he has a little bit more respect for his family. A little bit more respectful. But along those lines. There are lines, too many suckets in Coco. Sorry, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so he's like announces this and then his um, his grandmother's like I'm not having any of this destroys his guitar um, destroys all the memorabilia that he has in the crawl space and then Miguel runs away because there's a talent show happening in the town square he needs a guitar to enter the competition Um, so he the only place that he can think of to get a guitar is in um, De La Cruz's tomb which is in the town cemetery Uh, he breaks into his tomb takes the guitar He's, like, super excited. He, like, you know, just plays, like, a chord. And then the orange leaves that are used to, like, guide the dead Those to... leaves. Gorgeous. Stunning. Each Gorgeous. individual orange petal is, like, individually animated. Uh, I don't know how they did it. It must have taken years to do it. Um, he strums it, and then the petals glow, swarm around him. It's like, wow, that was kind of weird. Uh, and then he's like, wow, somebody broke in. Somebody stole De La Cruz's guitar. They, like, opened the... You know, he, like, escapes out of there, and then he realizes that nobody can see him, and he's seeing skeletons everywhere the Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. So he's somehow, by playing this guitar, taking this guitar, has is, like, he's neither alive, but he's not dead either. And he actually runs into his family who has passed on, who's, like, coming to, like, their grave sites to pick up the offerings that the relatives have gave him. He's like, wow, you're alive. You really shouldn't be here. Let's take you back into the world of the dead. Maybe um, they can help you. And I love, 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 love that... The afterworld, land of the dead, has as much bureaucracy yeah. <laughs> as it's like customs at an airport. We have to like declare like how many like candies, how many clothes, how many things you brought. Oh, there was a dude at a desk surrounded by papers and stuff. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Great. Um, and so there's like all this level of bureaucracy, there's whole departments dedicated to like helping people get through or back or denying people. Like Beetlejuice. I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was that element of the movie is also very interesting because you can't not also see like parallels of like huge debates over, you know, like immigration issues and like like Trump's, you know, racist rhetoric of the wall and like borders between the U.S. and Mexico. And I was like, this is so interesting. And I think that the movie was actually completed or at least closed like entering the ends of production, like right before the election or like right during the election. And so you see, I at least see them touching on it, but ultimately it's Mm -hmm. like throughout the whole movie, it's like this recognition of the importance of 
transitioning between spaces to mm -hmm. keep memories alive, to keep yeah. communities together. Yes, yeah. this whole theme of thresholds and who gets to move in between these thresholds and uh -huh. who doesn't and how does it impact and uh, like keep communities and families hmm. separated. But yeah. it was very, sort of a very light, like yeah. a lot of the border scenes were like, Comedic. Somewhat comedic. Yeah, but they were still they were still kind of like heartbreaking in some ways. Mm -hmm. Because like at the end yes. so so the 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 thing is is like um a dead person can only cross the border if they have a photograph on an ofrenda. Mm -hmm. And so they have like a face scanner to see if it's like yeah. on an ofrenda. And so Connor, I think you're probably just about to get to this, mm -hmm. but in Miguel's journey, he runs into this skeleton, this person named Hector. Mm -hmm. um, and Hector is trying so, so hard to cross the border, but he can't because there's not one person who um, has his photograph on, on an ofrenda. And something we learn a little bit later on is that once someone starts to once your memory starts to fade um and no one's alive that remembers you you disappear forever so it's like a final death you like dissolve mm -hmm. yeah uh -huh. and they say nobody knows what happens after your final death <laughs> mm -hmm. um and, and and so like one of the the last scenes um when miguel is singing this not well spoiler alert when he is singing this song i, I can't remember um what it's called. I, I think I'm going to pronounce this so wrong. I'm so sorry. Drag me all you want or comments on Instagram or whatever, but it's called like proud Corazon or something. Yeah. Um, and you, you end up seeing Hector and he gets his face scan and he, there's a photograph of him on an ofrenda and so he can go through. Hmm. Um, yeah. Cause he tries to get through in the beginning. He dresses up as Frida Kahlo. With like, uh, you know, the eyebrow and like the whole. And she's also know. like Frida Kahlo is also in the movie. I was gonna say, who will meet soon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and he tries to like break through the like the customs, and then the ways that connect the land of the dead to the land of the living are these enormous flower bridges made of the same small orange petals, and um, skeletons who are allowed to pass through kind of just like float, like they're just like walking on water. Like their feet turn, like they just glow red, and they just kind of like walk across it. But if you don't, if you break through, you just like sink like quicksand into the flower petals and you can't cross through. And so really the whole drive of the movie is um, um, Miguel wants to get back to the land of the living. And, you know, the bureaucrats tell him, oh, you can get back to the land of the living, take this petal, a family member can give you their blessing to return. You'll return, you know, no problem. But his family, um, his great-great-grandmother will only let him return if he gives up music forever. Oh, that's some bullshit. And so he's like, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll see you in a few minutes. Runs away. And then they're like, are we going to tell him there's no bathroom in the land of the dead? Um, and he runs That's away. He, gag. yeah, he bumps into Hector. And earlier we saw Hector be like, Oh, I know Ernesto de la Cruz, like a different row of tickets. So he's kind of this con man. And then, so as he's doing this, he bumps into Miguel as he's like walking out of the police station. And then he's like, Hey, I heard, you know, like de la Cruz. Here's that somehow. Uh, and then they kind of go on this quest together. They like Hector here. Here's a photo of me. Put it on an ofrenda. I will get you to de la Cruz who will give you your blessing to go back to the land of the living. Mm -hmm. And so Miguel kind of goes through this whole journey with um, Hector of like how to become a musician. Because Hector was a musician mm -hmm. when he was alive. Um, and so that's really the main crux of the movie is Miguel is lying to Hector about not having a family, that De La Cruz is his only family. But Hector really wants to get on the ofrenda. So Miguel's like, well, I can get back. Like in his head, he's like, I can get back, but I'm just going to, you know, I really need to play music afterwards. So we have to get to De La Cruz. So this kind of like whole mission to find De La Cruz. 
And there's basically. this really, I thought one of the, sa- I mean, obviously the most, the, the saddest scene is like when he's, you know, singing to Coco at the end, waterworks and everything. But I thought of one of the really sad scenes as well is when Miguel and Hector go to um, this like, like dock area. Or with sh- it's like, yeah. yeah, it's a shanty town. Mm-hmm. And, and Miguel is like, where are we? And Hector is like, well, th- uh, most people that live here are people that are slowly Disappearing. Make, disappearing because no photos of them are on anyone's ofrenda, and, and no one remembers. And them. no one, and and he goes to this one guy who's like lying in a hammock with all of these material possessions around him, um, and you can. He's been clinging onto for decades. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they go to him to try to get the guitar so they can enter this uh, this concert or competition. Um, and the guy's last request is for Hector to sing him his fate and play him his favorite song and Hector does and it's a beautiful I mean it's kind of like a funny (laughs) funny beautiful song Um, and then he like slowly disappears and in that scene you're like wow this is such an intense moment and you see the importance of like the idea of recognition of of anybody and the importance of memory and keeping people like close and keeping communities and families intact through memory and through like what like songs or storytelling and you're like no one mm-hmm. recognizes this like lowly musician who is going to be fading from memory and he and then he disappears into these like pedal fiery pedals yeah. mm-hmm. but and so much of that kind of like shantytown scene I th- i'm pretty sure hector says like oh we made our own family like nobody remembers us so we made our own family mm-hmm. so i think this is probably the most like maybe Incredibles and Coco, most powerful mo- Pixar movies, like about family, about what does it mean to be a family, and this one expands it to your family can kind of be. I see you making a face, Sam. Yeah, I mean, not that like I think that this movie is great, but like Frozen, like that's a big bit about family. Was Meet also. the Robinsons Pixar or was it and Disney? Brave. Yeah, it was Disney. Yeah. Okay, Frozen's technically Meet the Robinsons not Pixar. is really fucking good. With like family shit, I heard it's good, but it's Disney Pixar. No, I know, but no, no, no that's I. Oh, okay, I was responding yeah. to Connor. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so this idea of like anybody can be, and like what happens to people who don't have any like blood family left? Mm-hmm. Like they form their like own families and like try to like stick together um, through all this, and that also kind of reminded me of like the border crisis, the detention centers, mm-hmm. of like what are kids people in cages, kids right? in cages? Like what are those? Like they're probably trying to form connections just to like yeah. survive. So it kind of like reminded me. Of that too. I mean, this movie came out before that specific scenario, but definitely this idea of like, um, you know, like refugees and like people like trying to stick together through everything. And the whole movie has a real like capitalistic bent of like De La Cruz is like the most famous Mexican musician and he is incredibly wealthy. Millions of people uh, put him on their ofrenda, give him guitars, give him all this food. He says, I don't even know what to do with all this stuff. In his mansion, he just has thousands of guitars piled up, thousands of this, thousands of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, it doesn't really make a statement on this, but basically the celebrities, you know, they are the wealthiest in life and in death, they're still the wealthiest because yeah. everybody remembers them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the people who slowly get forgotten just kind of like fade away into nothing when celebrities live on pretty much literally forever. In this kind of land of the dead. God, that's so true. Because, like, you know, celebrities, even though we don't know them, we might not ever meet them. They can still mean so much to you. I mean, when Michael Jackson died, my mom grieved for him for, like, a full year. There was this one song she kept put on repeat in her car. It was like, oh, my God. Well, think about our history in general. I mean, so much of it is, like, 
the history of fucking rich people whose shit they thought Powerful like yeah who, <laughs> you know wanted their shit preserved men, and right? stuff which yeah. is why like you know like history from below and things like that are so important right now mm-hmm. because like you know obviously like they didn't think it was important to like preserve the lives of like people who you know yeah didn't have that yeah and i think that this is a good moment to mention like so miguel is also going to um de la cruz because if he's his great great grandfather um he can give him his blessing to continue music and then send him back to the the world of the living and miguel also only has like 12 hours before Mm -hmm. he turns into a skeleton permanently and the twist is is that de la cruz is not his relative it's actually hector um, so you do see that Hector, um, all, not, not only was Hector, um, Miguel's actual great, great grandfather, but, um, De La Cruz is so well known for this, for a lot, but for this one particular song called Remember Me, I think we've mentioned it a few times, but it's actually Miguel who wrote it. And I think, and I think, um, Hector wrote all the songs. Or not Miguel, I'm sorry. Yeah, Hector. And I think Hector wrote all of the songs because they were a duo. They both left, um, the town that, you know, that town that Miguel's from and then Hector wanted to return there's this great scene um, where the same VHS, VHS tape that like runs clip after clip of movies is playing as Ernesto de la Cruz is having this huge party in his mansion. Um, and then there's a scene from a movie where he like does a toast to this guy, drink, takes like the shots, like it's poison. And then he beats up the guy, which is exactly what de la Cruz did to Hector. Uh, Hector didn't know he was poisoned. He thought he just, um, you know, died from chorizo, choking on chorizo or food poisoning. Um, but then it's revealed that de la Cruz um, killed Hector, took his songs and then became this world famous never talked about him um and then there's this great moment of it's like so you still want me to take you back it's like well you're a murderer i don't know how i feel about that miguel says mm-hmm. um so de la cruz throws hector in a pit um and then he also miguel says basically like well i can't have you tell anybody that i murdered him so i'm gonna throw you in the pit too and make sure you die mm-hmm. here because De La Cruz, all he has is his material possessions. He doesn't have family. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, he sacrificed his family to become famous. So this recurring theme of like family, the importance of family, whether it's blood relatives or, yeah. you know, communities trying to come together mm-hmm. kind of runs through the entire picture. And then getting back to what you were saying um, about the most heartbreaking moment and kind of what we've been talking about. So like, uh, I love when musicals use the same song, but in different ways. Yeah, um, Remember Me, which is De La Cruz's most famous song, is this like really like kitschy, just like fun version of like, oh, you're going to miss me, but it's OK. I'll be back. Like, it's just a really fun, big, loud production number uh, that opens the film. And the song's written by um, Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, who also composed Frozen mm-hmm. as well. And Avenue Q. I mean, they're oh. incredible. Yeah. Incredible composers. And. By the end of the movie, you know, because all about because Hector's starting to fade because his daughter Coco, they now realize Coco's his daughter. Miguel realizes is about to die. Mm -hmm. And then when she dies, living memory of Hector is just gone forever. Um, And so there's this whole confrontation with De La Cruz, like trying to like, you know, stop Miguel from going back and ruining this. He throws Miguel off. you know. But Miguel's family also like all of his dead relatives come back and and help him eventually. Because they realize this is this is a little silly. Like Mm -hmm. we got to. But also they remember how important family is. Mm-hmm. And even though that Miguel wants to go on a singing career, like it's so important to believe and support him. Yeah, And even though Hector left, he was trying to come back. And that doesn't mean that he should be erased from existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as he comes back and you know, they're going to, I mean, this gets into just like pure catharsis, just like purging of emotion, going back to like my theater degree um, of like, you know, that Miguel is going to sing the song. Remember me because it was written for Coco when she was just like a toddler by Hector. 
and he would sing it to her like every night. Uh, and then when he gets back, like she's kind of starting to die. Hector, like there's this like great, like he's glowing orange kind of like throughout the end of the movie. And then like the most heartbreaking oh, scene. Yeah. I'm so sorry to interrupt. There was something I also noticed Hector towards the end of the, um, the later parts of the movie, I mean, mostly it's just his skull and his straw hat, but then you start to see the outlines of like colored paint, like mm-hmm. colored paint on his oh. like brow and yeah. on his cheeks. And I'm like, whoa, those are colors are so much more vivid than like when you first are introduced mm. to him. Um, and it's sort of this like, like him basically coming back to life and like get, gaining strength as you were saying as Coco herself is. Yeah, so Miguel, so he's like, Coco, remember your dad, remember your papa, you know, remember your dad, remember Hector. And she's just kind of like, kind of a little comatose, like a little, like kind of not responding because she's dying. dying. And so he takes his guitar and his family's like kind of trying to stop him. But then they're like, wait, let me just like do this. And he plays, you know, remember me. Um, Like, though I have to say goodbye, remember me. And then there's the power of me. I mean, like even getting a little teary. I know. Thinking about it. but just the idea of like the power of music, like transcending age, transcending time and distance mm-hmm. to like reawaken the memory of her father. And then she kind of like wake, like perks up and then kind of like remembers, talks about her dad, um, pulls out like a notebook and there's a photograph of him. Mm-hmm. And then, um, oh no, it's the it's ripped a, off ripped. head mm-hmm. of the original photograph. And so they tape it back together, put it on the ofrenda and then um, Hector saved. He's remembered. Yeah. And in that notebook, she also has like the original copies of all the songs that Hector wrote. Yes. And so um, they eventually like frame those and make like a whole memorial to Hector. It's a very, so they save Hector and then a year passes and then it's like day of the dead again. And then you see Hector comes back with all the family. The family including can't see, Coco. including Coco. Coco died, mm-hmm. but reunited with Hector and um, her mother in the afterlife. And they all come back at the day of the dead. Uh, day of the death. Oh, I say day of the dead. <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, so they all come back, and it's like really sweet family reunion where the living can't see the dead, but mm-hmm. you know they're present. And then they very quickly convince the world that De La Cruz was like a murderer, and then totally trash his name. Hector becomes the famous one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this like whole like museum shrine of Hector mm-hmm. in the town. Yeah, very fast PR campaign. <laughs> <laughs> that there's so much I want to talk about with the final scenes. So, um, by the way, I just want to say it was a Sholo dog named Dante. Um, and the, the Dante and the great, great grandmothers. Um, what what was the name? Mama Melda. Melda. Yeah. And, and then her like spirit guide, what, what are the proper, what's the proper name for that? Alabrihe. Um, they cross over from um, oh, the yeah yeah, <laughs> so they cross over into the world of the living, and they're just like a regular dog and cat, and it's really they're sweet. So- oh yeah, let's reveal that Dante is like um, Miguel's like Alabrihe, like his spirit guide. And and so the the history of the Sholo dog is that they guide man throughout like the the afterlife, and so they included that there. But um, so Miguel's mother was pregnant, and. There's like this amazing scene at the very end where um, the grandmother is putting Coco's picture up on the ofrenda, and like you see Miguel with the baby and going, "These are all of our relatives. This is this person and that person and this." And it's so important for us to remember these folks by. 
and it's just like kind of beautiful like the end of life but also a beginning of life too mm. and how you can see that represented but like where i start weeping is that when the dead do come back because that's when miguel starts singing that other song and like you can see how they're interacting like coco comes back and hugs her daughter and like you don't see the daughter react to it at all but you you still see that it's happening and it's just like i would hope that my family does the same thing it's a real heavy movie <laughs> Makes it, you know, just makes it think about get joked up. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, we're all like weeping, uh, except just... me because I haven't seen it. <laughs> well, we just literally went through oh, the I entire know. film for I, you. I understand, yeah. <laughs> so, I chose this movie to be the one I were, you know, my the anime movie keep returning to because I mean, partly the songs remember me, it's like one on, on like a few Spotify playlists I made, just like the music's so great. Um, it's an instant classic, the vibrant visuals. It's just a movie that's really like stuck with me. It's had a lot of staying power, even though it, you know, is, you know, pretty new. And I think this would be, I thought this would be a great month to kind of highlight, you know, Coco. And I'm sure we'll talk about Pixar later on, but I feel like this would be a really great month to highlight that film specifically. Any other kind of final thoughts on Coco? It's just great. So it's good. good. Are you going to see it, Tori? Mm, at some point. It's on the Netflix queue. Eventually. Well, now you know the whole plot, so. That is true. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> cool. Well, we are going to take a quick break, and then uh, we'll be back with our whiteboard question. back with our whiteboard question uh every episode you know we talk about a movie and then we come up with a question sometimes it's related to the theme of the month sometimes it might not be and we all have a prepared answer for it and my whiteboard question for the group is if you had to take a live action movie and turn it into animation what film would you choose so taking a live action movie and make it animated who wants to go first um i can go um I chose the movie The Fall um, by Tarsim Singh and kind of along the lines of a lot of what we were talking about Coco and how much like visually it was just such a stunning animated movie. I feel like it got me thinking about what movies have I really seen that have been live action that visually have been so like beautiful and stunning um, that I thought The Fall would make a perfect animated movie uh, because it's all about uh, storytelling this this uh, stunt man is injured and friends this young girl in the hospital and just tells her stories and just sort of spins these tales and then the whole movie is a recreation of the stories he tells and I feel like with animation like al already this movie is about sort of limitless possibility of what worlds you can be transported to uh, that I think through animation it could be like those limits could even be even more limitless um, in recreating those stories. So if you guys haven't seen it, watch it. So yeah, good. it's a very good movie. What would the kind of animation style look like? Oh, I don't know. Let's, let's have Pixar do it. <laughs> <laughs> Although it would, be pretty, it would be very dark for a Pixar movie. <laughs> but um, no, I, the, that sort of vibrancy of the fire and the flames and Coco, I would 
like love to see those rendered in the nice. fall. Who's got who's got an answer? I have two answers. Um, the first thing that came to my mind was um, a movie I really love, Kingsman: The Secret Service. Um, I would love to see. <laughs> I can see that as an animated That'd series. Be so good. Yeah, I would love to see that done in the Disney Renaissance era. Um, mm. So that means mm. like you've got songs by Alan Menken, Jody Benson somehow is in it, and she's singing. Um, is and- singing a part of the original Kingsman? No, no, okay, no. But it there's this, be. there's this great scene um, where Colin Firth is um, in a Kentucky church, and they <laughs> do almost the whole Freebird song in this one scene. Basically, like I don't want to give you the whole plot of the movie, but like everybody's turning like really violent and aggressive, and so <laughs> Colin Firth just kills everyone in the church. It's fucking fantastic. After singing Freebird? He's not singing it, but oh. the song's playing in the background, and it's fucking <laughs> just... fantastic. fantastic. Um, and then the other movie I thought, um, Titanic, but in Claymation. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to see that ship. That's a slow sinking ship. That also came into my head, too. But were you there? I don't know. So, Oh, you were there. Someone told us the whole plot of Titanic yes, the other day. at lunch. <laughs> at lunch. you, Christine. And I, I don't even know. My brain's still fucked up from that. So the fact that Titanic has come to, come up so much lately, just like too much for me to handle, which I also have not seen that movie. So, yeah. Should I go next? Yeah, sure. Great. Um, so this was also hard for me because I was trying to think of stuff that was like, I guess, inherently beautiful as live action. And then I was like, but does that mean like it should be converted into to animated too, even if they've like kind of like gotten that? Like for some reason, one of the first things that came to my head, and this would be a very dark animation, was Pan's Labyrinth because that's just oh, fucking beautiful. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, but then it was like, but that movie's so beautiful anyway. Does it really need that? Um, and then I was thinking of like kids movies I loved. Like I grew up with this uh, movie called The Little Princess that like, you know, was a live action movie I watched a lot as a kid. Um, or even My Fair Lady because I love like the way the outfits Aww. look in that. Um, There's a reference to My Fair Lady and Kingsman. Oh, really? And that scene would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is The Little Princess the one where she has to like sweep the floors or yeah. mop the floors? Yeah. It's she, yeah. That she, um, her was... father goes missing and yeah, it's, it's oh a whole thing. God. That movie, yeah, that movie gets to me. <laughs> um, what I actually settled on because I thought this would be cool and it is a movie but it's like, you know, a musical but Sweeney Todd as an animated feature mm. in an Edward Gorey style because Edward Gorey has just been on my mind a lot lately anyway, but um, Edward Gorey had like a Dracula thing he did one time, and for some reason I was like, oh, Sweeney Todd would be kind of cool animated in that fashion. But not voiced by Johnny Depp. Um, Johnny Depp can get the fuck out and go nowhere near Who would you movie. recast? As, oh, fuck, as Sweeney Todd? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's hard as fuck. Channing Tatum. <laughs> get out <laughs> of here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, that's so hard. I don't know. It's the person who came to my mind, um, did you see? Yeah, I know you saw it because we watched it together. Live action Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I saw that with you. Luke Evans, who plays Gaston. Oh, oh I thought you were going to go with As Dan Stevens. No, but yeah. also Dan Stevens. No, fuck that. Okay, I take it back and I'm going to say Dan Luke Stevens. Evans is the Pirelli like snake oil salesman guy. I love the way Dan guy. Stevens look. He's all like sullen and no, you know, he doesn't, gray. Luke Evans doesn't deserve that. You wouldn't want to see him sullen and gray? I don't know. 
He's just, I don't know. I've also just been looking at a lot of pictures from him and the guests recently because it's Halloween and that's a Halloween movie and like, whoo, damn. Um, so thinking of him in like the he Sweeney good. Todd sense, he, he real good. He good. Um, is kind of different, but actually as a voice, I think that could be really good, especially like his song in Beauty and the Beast is yeah. really beautiful. Oh my God, the song that they yeah. added to that movie. Yeah. Oh, fuck, oh, that's so it's good. so good. I'll Sam came over and we had breakfast and just watched Beauty and the Beast and it was amazing. It was so, I loved that morning. <laughs> it was so good yeah Dave do you have an answer uh Fury Road of course of course <laughs> back to Fury Road <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road adapted to animation uh probably in the style of Aeon Flux if you've seen Ooh, that show yeah um because that would be really wild that show is already really great at rendering um surroundings uh landscapes uh really weirdly like drawn and rendered and stylized figures so I think that projected onto like the mythos of that movie as an animated thing, would probably be really captivating. And also, Fury Road was going to be an animated movie for a while because when it was stalled in production hell with George uh, George Miller, the creator of the Mad Max franchise, there was at one point where they were legitimately considering making it a, an animated film instead of a live-action film huh. before the film. And they wound up using a lot of what they created for that as the storyboards for the produced film. That's cool. amazing. That's yeah, really that's cool. really cool. So it seems like it would have applied pretty naturally and pretty in a pretty nuanced way to the animated format. Uh, I think it's perfect as it is, but it would have been great to have seen uh, to seen that cut as well. So I'd say that one. Nice. I think my answer, what jumped in my mind first, was taking uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Taking Joel Schumacher. Oh. There's been a lot of really great work with using the Adam West era Batman whether in comics or their own animated TV show. Um, and I think applying that kind of like really campy, um, you know, rest in peace, um, Adam West, but taking that kind of like world and applying it to like Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze, mm-hmm. or just, I think well, all these really campy, pretty cartoony. It already is pretty cartoony, but I think turning it into like a 2d animated, um, inspired by the recent, like Batman 66 runs and like all the work they've been doing with, the kind of like campy era, I think on the on the big screen. Do you think it would look maybe anything like the Batman animated series from the nineties? Because that would I be love that. Like if it's the that plus that camp, Ooh. then I am sold. I'd be down for that. I, maybe some more color. I think you would need a little more color. It is pretty drab. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. That show I think scared me a lot. <laughs> the show's great. It's it an amazing show. Fun. All right. Uh, anything um, you guys want to plug as we're wrapping up here? Um, I don't know. I guess it'll be past maybe by the time yes. that we do this. Yeah. So, um, horror movie nights that I do, um, uh, for a Sunday of every month. So, uh, Suspiria will be before this airs. Um, but hopefully we'll have a really good time <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we'll talk about it when we get back. Uh, but yeah, it's at uh, century bar in the Grace Ferry area. Uh, just follow chill and kill horror on uh, Facebook for events and stuff. Um, I don't know. Should I just to say what I think the December one's going to be? It might change. Sure. Who knows? I think I might do Black Christmas if anyone has seen that. Ooh, That's a good oh, one. Yeah. yeah. Exclusive sneak peek. But uh, there there are also <laughs> some other Christmas horror movies I would like to watch before I make said decision. Maybe Krampus? So, definitely not Krampus. We're not, we're not no. fucking doing Krampus, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Also, please, never again. Um, yeah. So that's that's my thing. Um, please follow Butter With That on our social media. Um, so Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, one more thing I want to say, which is 
Um, I know that the election will probably have passed um, once this airs. However, um, no matter how the election turns out, I think that something that I've learned that is really important this past two years is the importance of our voice and voting. And so um, regardless of what happens, 2020 is coming too. So please make sure you're registered and you get out to vote because if you don't vote, then you don't get a say in how things are governed. And there is nothing more lazy than not participating in your democracy. And if you voted, you can now take a shot or something. I don't know. Reward You'll have yourself. my love forever. Treat yourself. <laughs> treat, treat yourself. Go vote. All right. Well, with that, Butter With That is wrapping up. Uh, be sure to check us out uh, next week with Tori's animated it's feature. Me. It's me. Yeah. All right. We're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to get turned. Mm. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> have a great day, everybody. Bye. Remember me. Don't. Don't worry. Get flagged. Don't get flagged. Don't do it. Remember me. Don't demand to make me cry. But even if I'm far away, I hold you in my heart. Okay, let's These are a couple different songs now. It's not going to be a medley. This is it.